Last night, Monisa and I um, attended a concert over in Lancaster, Jody Messina. For those of you who aren't familiar, she's a country singer that back in the late 90s and early 2000s had a lot of very popular songs, nine number one uh, hits, several top ten songs. Um, I think the first first number one song she had was, some, some of y'all will remember this, you know, Heads Carolina Tales. Well, five of you know it. Is that all? Come on. Y'all awake. Come on. Come on. Come on. Um, anyway, uh, we, we were there, and, and uh, about halfway through the concert, she just started opening up and sharing some of her story. She, uh, she said that the last year of her life had been the, the hardest year of her life. Um, she became a single mom, two young boys, and she also uh, had cancer, had several surgeries. Uh, she didn't say what, what kind, but uh, it had been pretty tough. And, and as she talked, you, you, you could hear her explain the pain and the loneliness in her life and what she had, what she had experienced, and she'd actually written some music out of that, uh, that time. And, and she, she, was, she even said, you know, her life in many ways had been a mess. And then she transitioned into talking about Jesus. And not just in a casual way, like, you know, a lot of celebrities will sometimes just throw out his name to kind of identify themselves as religious or spiritual or Christian or whatever. I mean, she really got into it and she explained it very clearly, a very clear story a very clear testimony of a faith relationship with Christ, of, of, of loving him, even though her life at times has been a mess and just how he never abandoned her and quoted scripture and quoted it accurately. It was, I mean, it was a beautiful, powerful uh, several moments of her just talking from her heart about her own experience and, and what God and what Jesus meant to her. And then um, she, said, she said, you know, when you meet him, you know, he, he has, he's the only one who can heal your heart. And then she sang, some of you remember a couple of years ago, Lauren Daigle's, you know, a very popular Christian song, uh, How Can It Be? Some of y'all remember that, How Can It Be? You know, and singing about the chains being broken and, you know, Jesus giving his life to give us life. It's a beautiful, powerful song. And she sang that. And I got to tell you, she sang it better than Lauren Daigle, and that's saying something. I mean, it was just, and, and after she had shared her story and her heart, and then she sang this powerful Christian worship song, the place gave her a standing ovation. She went on to sing a couple more Christian songs that, that she had written. And uh, something that I jotted down, she said, was when you meet him, when you meet Jesus, he changes your life and you can't stop talking about him. And here she is in you know, this very public place talking about Jesus. And all, all of us, each of us who love Jesus, have been forgiven, saved, have a relationship with Christ, know we're supposed to be a witness. We're supposed to talk about Jesus, invite people to church, share the gospel with lost people and so on. But like I said last Sunday, many times we're intimidated and we're afraid. And and often we even feel guilty because we know we're supposed to do this. We don't do it enough and we're embarrassed that we're afraid and intimidated and we feel bad about it. And we don't have a lot of confidence always when it comes to this subject. And I shared with you last week that God's kind of put it on my heart for the next uh, decade or so to really work hard to help us, to help you, to help me 
reach a place where we have confidence and competence to talk about Jesus, where we're just, we're no longer intimidated, we're no longer afraid, but we're confident to talk about Christ and to be out there in the community loving people and serving people and, and, and letting them know there's a God who loves them and, and that we're competent. We feel not only confident, but we know how to do that. And, and, and it's going to be a journey, and I look forward to that journey. But I'm asking us today and over the next couple of months with some special worship services just to take some baby steps because here's the thing. God doesn't want you to be intimidated. And God doesn't want you to go through life feeling guilty because you're not doing something that you know you, you, you should be doing. And I also believe that deep in your heart, somewhere in your heart as a follower of Christ, you want to talk about Jesus. You want to be able to share the gospel with people who don't know him. You want to have confidence to invite people to church. I really believe that. I don't know how to know how we can know Jesus and somewhere on the inside not want to be more confident at doing that. And so that's what I want for you. It's what you want for yourself. It's what God wants for you. So let, let's just take some baby steps because you, you can't get to the place you ultimately want to be if you're not willing to take at least a step to move from where you already are. And so today I'm going to encourage and challenge, and, and I'm, I'm asking you this week and over the next two months with some of the special things we're going to do here, just, just take a step. Just, just get outside your comfort zone a, a little bit and take one step to do more than you've been doing and just let God work because, because he will. So if you have your Bible, open it with me, please, to the, the Gospel of John, chapter 3. If you have your tablet or your smartphone, look with me, please. John, chapter 3. Last week, today, we're talking about the, the why, the, the what, and the how of evangelism. The why, what, and how of evangelism. And last, last Sunday, I said the why is love. The Bible, you know, God tells us in Scripture we're to love God and love people. And if you love people, it means you're also going to be loving God lost people because God does. So the why, love God, love people, that means you're going to care about lost people. The what, make disciples. People who are following following Jesus Christ, who are being changed by Jesus and are on mission with Jesus. Why, love, make disciples. And, and the how, we gave out the wristbands that have these four words of you know pray, tell, invite, and serve. And last week we talked about prayer as the how. Today, I want to give you a different why a different what, and a different how. So last week, the why was love, okay? Love and pray and all of that and make disciples today a different one. John chapter 3, let's look at some verses and talk about the why. And you're going to see that it's a continuation of love, but it's also looking at it from a different perspective, the, the other side of it, so to speak. Now, this is the verse most of us memorized when we were little kids. John 3:16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not what? Perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life, depending on your translation. So God loves people. And last week, God wants us to love him and love people just like he loves people. And here, the people that God loves is the world. And that's, that's, that's everybody. But it's also those people out there in this messed up world, this world full of hurt and, and bad thinking and bad morality, people out there who are making bad decisions God loves them. And in fact, God loves them so much that he said, I'm going to do whatever I can to change their reality. 
I'm going to do whatever I can to keep them, prevent them from perishing because that's not what I want for them. So he said, I, I love them and I, I send my son so they will not perish, but I want them to have everlasting life. I want them to have a relationship with me. Now look at verse 17, the continuation of it. God, notice that he loves, so he sent Jesus. Notice he said, I did not send my son, why? To judge the world or condemn the world, your Bible may translate it, but that the world might be saved through him. So here's God and he sends Jesus into this big old world, this messed up world, this sinful world, this bad world among people whose lives sometimes are a mess. People who aren't doing right. Jesus comes into that world, he comes into their life, and he loves them. And he said, the reason I entered that place was to help them know me, to know God, to not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, now, now here's the thing. God says, love God and love people. How did Jesus love the people in this world? Too often those of us who know Christ and are religious and go to to church when we get out into the world and we get out among lost people rather than loving them the way Jesus did and saying we are heartbroken because of their separation from God and we're heartbroken because of the mess in their life and we're heartbroken because they're facing you know eternity without Christ and they will perish and don't have eternal life rather than feeling that way toward all these people out there who are doing all this bad stuff making all these bad decisions we are religious sometimes we go out into that world and we point our finger and we judge and we criticize and we condemn and we attack Is it any wonder some of them don't want to listen to us? God said, I did not send my son into the world to do that. I did not send my son into the world among all those lost, messed up people to judge them and condemn them. I sent my son into the world to love them because I want them to know me. I want them to be saved. Do you see the difference in approach? Now, the motivation is still love. But there's another side to it here. And, 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 and what he's saying is when, when, when Jesus looks at lost people, he, his heart breaks because he sees their, their true reality. He, he sees their true spiritual condition and this lostness. Now look at the next verse, verse 18. He who believes in him is not judged or condemned. He who does not believe has been judged or condemned already. Now, I put in your notes, and another reason to pick up a copy of the program, the bulletin, as you come into the worship center every Sunday is the insert for the sermon. A lot of times there are notes on there to, to, to help you. And it's, it's interesting because the word in the, the Greek, which is the original language of the New Testament, can be translated judge or condemn. I put the, the crown or the, the Greek word. It means to come to a decision, to judge, try, solemn. It's, it's like being in court. Now, now hear me. We have this image, and here, here's what Jesus says is the reality of lost people. You, you and I have this image in our mind that on the judgment day, God kind of weighs everything, right? What, looks at what people did, what they didn't do, and then on the judgment day, God makes a decision and announces it. That is an unbiblical way of thinking. That image, that mental picture is false. That's not what happens on the judgment day. There are absolutely no decisions made on the judgment day. There, there is absolutely no reality that is determined 
decided on the judgment day. On the judgment day, it is simply God announcing what already is. On one, one level, think about it like this. A jury convicts someone of a crime, and then usually weeks later, sometimes months later, the judge calls everybody back together and announces the sentence. But on the day he announces the sentence, the decision's already been made about guilt or not, correct? On the judgment day, there's no decision made about saved, lost, guilty or not. That's already settled. It's simply the announcement. But here's the, here's the thing. What, what God announces on the judgment day is also already decided. The only thing that happens on the judgment day is the public announcement to the universe. Nothing else. Notice what he said in verse 18. The one who believes in Christ, you have a relationship with Christ, you're saved, you've been forgiven, you know Jesus, is not judged. Not under condemnation of God. You're innocent. That's already been determined. You're forgiven. You're saved. But notice Jesus said, the one who does not believe, does not have a relationship with Christ, has been judged, condemned, declared guilty. Uh, The sentence is known, separation from God for eternity. Notice judged when. What does it say, church? Come on, look at it. What does it say? Already. See, when Jesus came into this world among lost people, it wasn't to determine and it wasn't to judge and it wasn't to, they're already under the judgment of God. They're already, they're already under, they're already lost. The sentence of eternity in hell is already settled. The judgment day is simply the public proclamation of what is a what is a present day reality. The only thing that can change what is announced on that day is that person becoming a follower of Christ in this life. Because of sin, you're already under guilt and the sentence of eternity without God. The judgment day is simply announcing that unless sometime between now and death the person gives their life to Christ. And so what God wants you to do is because you love people, you love God, you love people, you love lost people, and and you think about that cousin of yours that doesn't know Jesus and never goes to church. You think about that uncle that doesn't love Jesus and never goes to church. You think about that classmate, that co-worker, that neighbor, that friend who doesn't know Jesus, doesn't love Jesus, never goes to church, doesn't have anything to do with Jesus. And so often we look and say, well, you know, they're they're not, they're, they're, I hope, I hope, I hope it'll be okay for them on that day, on the judgment day. And, and, you know, and they're really a nice person, and, and I hope it'll all work out. But God says you need to understand. You need to love them enough to see that their true reality is. So they're lost. And when you love somebody and you see them in that kind of danger, you want to help them, don't you? So what's the, the, the why The why of evangelism is we understand that, yes, we love God and we love people, and that means we're going to love lost people. But it also means we love them enough that we are honest about what's going on and where they are spiritually, and we care about them enough that we're brokenhearted about that. And so when you see people who are making a mess of their life, let it break your heart because you don't want that for them. Let it break your heart because you want them to know Christ and be forgiven.
love them enough to be concerned about their reality is what Jesus is telling us. So the why now look at verse 36 of chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. What tense is that? Hmm? Past, present, future. Which is it? Present tense right now. So you, if you're a follower of Christ, you already have eternal life. But he continues, he who does not obey the Son, does not know Christ, does not have a relationship with Christ, will not see life, will not see eternal life, but the wrath of God abides on him. What tense is that? Abides is present right now, already under. See, already under the judgment of God, already under the wrath of God, already separated from God, already judged and condemned. And that will last for eternity. See, eternity is simply a continuation in another place of what is already a present reality. You have eternal life and it continues in heaven. You're separated from God and under the wrath of God and it continues for eternity in hell. It's a continuation in a different place at a different level of what is currently reality. Now, don't you think knowing that would motivate us to be more concerned about the people that God brings into our life who don't know Christ? Hmm. So what's the why? Love, not only love for them, but love and compassion that when we see their reality, it moves us and we want to do something. Now, the what? The what of evangelism. Last Sunday, make disciples. It's the same thing, but let's look at it a little bit differently today. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is a passage people often use when they talk about foreign missions, but it's really just for all of us all the time as we're on journey with Christ. And notice what he says. When you are filled with the Spirit, when, you, when the Spirit is in your life, you have power, and you will be what? What does he say there? You will be what? My what? What is it, church? Now, how many of you have ever said to yourself, I know I'm supposed to witness, I know I'm supposed to do evangelism, but I'm afraid I won't know what to say. I'm afraid I can't answer their questions. I'm afraid I, I can't convince them, win them, persuade them. Anybody ever said anything like any of those things to yourself? Huh? Or am I the only one that ever thinks that stuff? All right, let me help you. Because what he says here, we are to be what? What's the word again? What is a witness? It's somebody who simply tells what he knows. Tells what he's seen, what he's experienced. You, you, you speak about your relationship with God. The, in, in, in the, the, the noun, the word that is used here, here is martus. It's the word for being a witness, the verb form. It's really not verbs in the Greek language, but in English we think of it like that. So let's just say the verb of it is to be one, to bear witness, to do the talking. And so what's been your experience with Jesus? All right. How many of you, and I don't want to raise hands because I don't want anybody who can't say this to, to, to be embarrassed by not raising their hand, but... You, you are a Christian. How many of you know deep in your heart that if you died today, you'd go to heaven? Okay? You know that. You've accepted Christ. Jesus is your Lord. He's your Savior. You have a relationship with Him. Everything's good between you. You know that. You are a follower of Christ. You are a disciple. 
All right, now let me ask you, how did you become one? When and how did that happen? How did you become a follower of Jesus? When was it? Where were you? What, what, what happened? What did you do? Tell me about the moment. Can, when, when did you give your life to Christ and become a follower of Christ? You know what it means to be a witness? You share that story. This is what happened to me. And if you want to be even more effective at it, you learn some Bible verses that you can show them that explain the biblical reason for what happened to you. Now, if you're going to be a witness for Jesus because you have a relationship with Jesus, that's different than, than just saying, well, you know, when I was you know, nine years old, I joined the church or you know, I walked the aisle or I talked to a person. No, 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 no. What's your experience with Jesus? When did you give your life to Jesus? Because being a witness means you've had an experience that you can talk to others about. And, and if you can't in your own mind frame your own experience, did you have one? Are you even saved? And I think what keeps some of us sometimes from ever being a witness for Christ is we cannot articulate our own experience with Jesus because maybe we've not really had one. We, we have an experience with the church, but not Christ. And if that's the case, you need to do some deep soul searching and you need to talk to one of our pastors or a deacon or somebody because you need to get that clarified. It's too important. So being a witness is, listen, let, let me share with you how I came to faith in Christ. Let, however you want to say it, let me share with you about the day I gave my life to Jesus and I was saved. Let, let me share with you how I came to realize I needed to be forgiven and I, and I prayed and I asked God to forgive me. Let me tell you about my experience. And then as you want to get better, you learn some Bible verses that, that you put with it. That's what witnessing is. That's it. We make it so much more complicated than it really needs to be. And, and inviting people to church. Hey, let me tell you what's going on at my church. Let me tell you about what happened last Sunday. Let me tell you about how God's working in my life. And I, I'd love for you to come with me because, you know, God wants to do a great thing in your life too. That's, that's all it is. Any of you ever gotten excited about a diet, ever gotten excited about a new exercise plan, ever got excited about some movie, ever gotten excited about any of you... I know it's time change Sunday, so have you have any have you ever gotten excited about anything? <laughs> uh, raise your hand. You, you, have you? Have you ever gotten so excited about something you told somebody about it? Huh? How many of you are on Instagram? Raise your hand and wave at me. You're on Instagram. How many of you ever had an experience and put something out there on Instagram? Well, what do you think witnessing is? Huh? What do you think talking about church and inviting people to church is? Why do we make it so hard? See, I think, I think Satan tricks us into thinking it's something woo, bigger than it really is, and therefore we never do it.
Hey, babe, what's that movie we watched? Wonder, wonderful, wonder. Huh? Wonder? I'm deaf, I can't hear. Wonder. Have y'all seen the movie Wonder? If you didn't watch it, it's a good movie. What did I just do? Witnessed about an experience. That's all it is. I'm lousy at remembering names of movies. So I have to have help. All right, so the what? Be a witness. Now let's wrap this up. The how. All right, do you have your wristbands? Huh? Did you forget it at home? Some of you ladies said it clashed with your outfit so you didn't wear it. If you don't have one and you'd like one, uh, on the table in the back, in the middle of the room behind the TV cameras, there are some more of them. Just four, four things we're encouraging you to think about over the next two months as you be a witness, as you make disciples, you, as you invite people to church, invite, pray, serve, and tell. And uh, last week we talked about pray. Let me say one more thing about pray. This is, what's a baby step? What's a, what's a step you can take in being a witness and making disciples is you can start praying by name for people you know that you care about who don't know Christ. Every one of us, each and every one of us can do that. And last Sunday we looked at the passage in Corinthians that says he has veiled the gospel from their eyes. He's blinded them so they can't see it. And I suggested that one of the things you need to pray is that God gives spiritual vision, spiritual insight, spiritual understanding to people who are lost so that they see the gospel, they see the truth, and they stop believing lies. Let me show you something else about praying for lost people today. John chapter 16, verse 8. If you have your Bible, it's also there on the screen. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. And he says when the Holy Spirit comes, notice what he'll do. He'll convict, or your Bible may say convince, the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, one of the things we do to ourselves that discourages us from making disciples, discourages us from being a witness, is, is, is we reach out with our two hands and we pick up what God says he will carry. We pick up what God says he will do, put it on our own shoulders, and we try to carry the load that God said, I don't want you to carry. We try to carry the load that only God can carry. And because it's too big for us and it's too heavy, we get beat down, worn out, we get intimidated, because we realize we can't carry it and we quit and we don't witness. How many of you have ever said to yourself, I can't convince that person they're a sinner. I can't convince them they need Jesus. I can't convince them to come to church. I can't convince them to get right with God. I can't convince them they're making a bad. Have any of you ever said anything like that to yourself? And so because you can't, you, you say to yourself, I don't know enough scripture. I can't talk them into it. I can't persuade them. I can't argue with them. And because you can't convince them, you do nothing. See, God never asks you and me to convince anybody of anything. What did God ask us to do? Be a witness talk about our experience, talk about what the Scripture says about our experience, talk about God's love for them, pray for them. Who does the convincing? He, the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is the only one who can convince somebody they are a sinner and there's consequences to that sin. If you try to convince somebody they're a sinner, all you'll do is make them mad. 
You can share your heart, your experience. You can share the Word of God, but you can't convince anybody of anything. But listen, God is speaking to them on the on the inside, whether they they show it or not. And here's the thing: you will never talk to anyone about Jesus, but that God has already spoken to them. You will never ever be the first person to speak to them because God always speaks to them before you do. And you you be the witness, you share the gospel, you share your testimony, you share the word of God. God is the only one who can convict and convince someone that they're a sinner and there's consequences to that. And God's the only one who can convince anybody and convict them of the fact that they... They need righteousness, that they're not right with God because of that sin, and that the only way they can be righteous is through a faith relationship with Christ. You can't convince them of that. You are to love them, share with them, serve them, and pray because the Holy Spirit can do that convincing on the inside. And of judgment, that one day they will give an account to God and they're accountable, they're responsible to God. How can you you convince somebody of eternity? How can you convince somebody of the judgment? You can't, but God can. What you can do is share. You can love. You can pray. You can be a witness. God does the convincing. Quit trying to do what God said he would do. Does that make any sense? Huh? Huh? So the idea, I don't know enough, I can't convince them, I can't persuade them, hey, just throw that one away, just throw it away, just throw it away, doesn't count. So pray, and then serve. Just you, Be nice, be kind, find ways to help people. I, uh, I like the passage in Romans that talks about the kindness of God is what led us to repentance. Just just be nice to people. Don't run them away because you're a jerk. Just be kind. Serve people. Jesus and and, and Matthew talked about letting our our light shine. Let's go to the next slide and look at this Bible verse. How many of you learned that little song when you were in Sunday school as a little kid or Bible school? This little light of mine, what is it? I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bush or what? Mm. You're going to do what? You're going to let it shine. That comes from this passage. Let your let your light shine before men, before lost people. See, it's hard for your light to shine at church. You know why? Because just about everybody here is saved and there's not a lot of darkness. It's hard for light to shine when it's in a room filled with light. For your light to shine, you've got to be out there where there's darkness, where there's lostness. So let your light shine before men in such a way, not just any way, but in such, such a way that they see your good works, your good deeds, your service, your, your kindness, your goodness, and they'll glorify whom? Who would they glorify? Your Father in heaven, God. Now here's the thing. They can't glorify your Father in heaven for your light that shines when you do good to people unless they know he's your Father. That's the reason being a witness goes hand in hand with being kind to people and serving them. They have to know he's your father or he won't get any glory. 
you'll get all the glory for being a good person. So serve. Now, not everybody in your life has physical needs and financial needs. And when we use the word serve, we, we, if we're not careful, we always think about, i got to find something bad going on in their life. And so, well, if, if, there, if there are needs, serve those needs. But, you know, there are people we know who are lost and things are going pretty good. They're not sick. They've got a good job. Their family's happy. How do you serve somebody like that? Be a friend. Do you, listen, do you know that for some people who are lost and don't go to church, it is harder for them to come to church than it is to come to your house for a meal? And one of the ways you may break, because, see, you're used to coming to church. No big deal. Hey, I'm comfortable here. But I didn't grow up in church, and I was petrified the first time I went to church. And there are people in Rock Hill who have never been to church on a Sunday in their life. And the thought of it, whether they tell you or not, scares them. So find a way to be a friend, to serve them, to love them, to be with them. So when they come, they're not coming alone. Serve them. And then he talks about, you know, the other, what's the other two words in here? Pray, serve. Then you've got uh, invite and tell. I love the passage in Luke 14 when Jesus is, is speaking and he, and he talks about the master and the slave and he's the master, we're the slave, we're the servant. And he says, go out into the, you know, the, the byways out there. Just go out there where people are, invite them to come in, compel them to come in so my house can be full. He says, just get out there in the world, love people, serve people, pray for people and invite them. Just get out there with them and do your thing. And invite them. Next Sunday, I'm going to uh, talk about why the church matters and how to have a, you know, about relationships with other believers and the role of that in our own spiritual development and answer questions people have about church membership and explain the different ways somebody can and join the church. And I want you to invite people to come next Sunday because it's going to answer a lot of their, their questions. And on that table where the wristbands are, we have these invite cards that are in bundles of five get as many as you want and uh, on the back information about next sunday and on the front some questions about the church that i'm going to answer in the sermon so just pick you up a bunch of these take them with you this week and take a, a small step beyond where you are of just saying hey i'd love for you to come with me no don't say i want you to come to church next and say i'd love for you to come with me and then arrange to meet them and use the cards to invite them. And they're out on the table behind the cameras. They're in the breezeway as you leave the building. For you parents uh, with young kids, they're down here in the preschool end toward the drop-off uh, on a table down there somewhere. So you can get you a bunch of these and take them and use them. Because they're only good for next Sunday, so use them this week, okay? Take them all. Don't leave any here. Anybody. And then the last word is tell. What we were talking about, just be a witness. Well, let me wrap it up with this. Brian Harbour is a, a pastor out in Texas. Before that, he served in Atlanta. And he, he told about uh, visiting uh, a woman who had connected to their church through their mother's morning out program. He'd only been there a couple of minutes when the husband 
arrived from work. And um, she knew who the pastor was. He had never met him. So she introduced her husband to the pastor and said, he's here to talk to you about God. And then she left the room. <laughs> so it was kind of awkward. They, they talked for a few moments and broke the ice and, you know, and got it kind of relaxed and comfortable. And then this, this man started opening up. And for the next 60 minutes, poured out his heart. Just, just talked about his life. And Brian, after he, he listened for about an hour, was able to share with the man how Jesus could meet his, meet his needs and, and uh, he could have a relationship with Jesus. And they got on their knees there in the living room and the man invited Christ into his life, gave his heart to Jesus. But the reason Brian remembered the story and was telling it, he said it was, it was because of what the man said to him as he was walking to the door to leave. And, and what, the, what the man said was, Preacher, I've been waiting, listen, I've been waiting five years for someone to help me get, get straightened out with God. Do, do you think Jesus brings people into your life by accident? Hmm. Now, does it mean everyone you pray for, everyone you love and serve, everyone you witness, everyone you invite is going to get saved in that moment? No. But just like you are taking a step, do you understand that your work in their life, your engagement in their life may be helping them take a step toward Christ? Because God's always at work. So take some steps this week. You, you just may be surprised about what God's going to do in the lives he's bringing across your path this week. So take some steps. I want, you to, I want you to look at one of the chairs that's empty. Go ahead and find a chair that's empty right now. Look at it. And I want you to picture sitting in that chair the face of someone you know who doesn't know Christ, whose life is struggling perhaps, doesn't go to church, someone who's lost. I want you to picture them. And I want you to picture them in that chair. And I want you to take a step and pray for them. Maybe take a step and share something from your heart with them, your experience with them. If possible, take a step and invite them to join you, to be with you next week. Take a step. To get outside your comfort zone, take a step and kneel here on the kneeling bench and pray for them. Or, or pray for yourself for you, that you have more confidence. Let's stand. The team's going to lead us in singing.